gentlemen, welcome to episode 113 of the MTV podcast, presented and hosted by Worldwide Cyclery. I am Jared. I am Jeff. And I am Liam. And I completely forgot to write the little intro script thing that I normally do because we're recording this on Friday and we, Friday. Normally, we normally do it on Tuesdays and we've already made our first mistake. Could have just riffed it and they would have never known. <laughs> well, in this episode, we're going to discuss Forbidden Bikes. They've got a new bike uh, as well as Deviate Bikes. They also have a new bike. Two notable, interesting high pivot mountain bikes that are pretty cool yep. to talk about. And, of course, the usual listener questions that are ranging from when to stop upgrading your bike, do crank sets actually have an effect on how your bike rides, uh, let's see, what else What else is in here? Putting a coil on your bike? Hmm. Um, toilet paper techniques. Toilet paper techniques, yeah, I don't know, that's that's about... Being the cat. That's my, that's my gist, but we're going to do our best to entertain and educate our fellow mountain bikers, that is you all listening, so thanks for listening, prepare for some mountain bike knowledge. By the way, reminder, this podcast is available on all podcast platforms as Ooh. well as YouTube and you can watch a live videos of us on YouTube. Or Just at reminder. least the most popular podcast platforms. I'm sure there's one out there that's like, well, I listen to Podplat and you're not on there. <laughs> Short for podcast platform. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> don't look at me like that. I don't like it. <laughs> All right. High pivot bikes. Mm. That's something we went super in depth with. Uh, what episode was Nico, that? Nico, episode 92? 92? 95? It was 90 something. 91? Yeah, I have no ne clue. Nico had a lot of interesting uh, sort of things to talk about, high pivot stuff, because he's he's the uh, downhill racer, World Cup level downhill racer that we're all friends with and sponsor. And he's creating his own bike that he raced all last season and began to race this season until he wrecked, you know, he wrecked himself before he checked himself. But mm. he'll be back. But his uh, he has a lot of knowledge and understanding around suspension kinematics, as any you know really nerdy bike nerd racer would. And when he was building his own bike, he was testing back to back the same bike, one high pivot, one not. A lot of good stuff on that episode. If you want to learn more about high pivot, that was episode ninety one, by the way. Ninety one. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. The gist of it is that uh, it's the the whole idea is it just makes the suspension work better makes it feel as if the bike has no chain on it. Mm. It doesn't get hung up. Uh, it uh, helps it, it under braking. It also has a more rearward axle path, yeah. which if that does have a, if a suspension design does have a rearward axle path without a uh, idler pulley, you will then feel the chain. Yeah, so there's benefits. There's a lot of benefits to a rearward rearward axle path. Really hard. Rear That's a hard word. thing to say. It's yeah. like real world rear rear rear. Yeah. Oh, try saying that real world. Uh, there's a lot of benefits <laughs> to the rearward axle path. Uh, however, the those benefits get screwed up if you have a chain on the bike, and most people ride with chains. So the idea was, how do we get this axle path and the benefits from it without the downsides? And that's where the whole high pivot thing came from. Forbidden and Deviate are probably the two most prominent brands that were really on top of this suspension design early I, on, right? I'd say two most prominent trail bike brands. Yeah, true. Yeah, because yeah, downhill bike is a yeah. whole different scenario. And it's Actually, been in uh, what Canfield Bros. Can, Canfield <laughs> thirty years ago. Yeah, a long time. Common Sol's used it for a long time. So um, even I, the Honda bike used some type of idler pulley thing mixed that had in a there. Gearbox. So I think it. I also think it might have too. 
Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. That was a while ago. But in the downhill world where you have longer travel bikes going a lot faster, this is where the stuff gets even more important. But as enduro bikes, as people ride them faster, as they become more capable, and as they get longer travel and they can still pedal up hills well, that's where a lot of people that, yeah, we should put high pivot suspension designs on trail bikes and enduro bikes. And Forbidden and Deviate were two of the brands that kind of came out of the gate with that setup. Yep which is cool. And they've been doing super well and those bikes ride well and forbidden. So new Druid. Yeah. Well, you actually, know, you, let's know all, start, you know all the deeds. Yeah, I do. Uh, but let's also start with saying that we are now carrying forbidden bikes. Mm, true. Which mm-hmm. is news. Round of applause. Round of applause. Uh, yeah. Very exciting. So that is, is cool. Ex- yeah, it's, yeah, it is exciting that we it is, are It is carrying. our job to curate the best mountain bikes and mountain bike components and gear. And uh, that's a brand that we've kind of been eyeing for a long time and finally pulled it off. So, yeah, yeah, stoked on that. So, stoked where you are getting bikes in as we speak. And, uh, yeah, if you have any questions or you want to pre-order something, uh, shoot us an email. Did you uh, ever get a high pivot bike, Jeff? Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Yeah, actually looking looking at these two bikes right. uh, today, I was like, man, these look so good. And no. that, that new Forbidden just looks amazing. Yeah. You know, the new DV, like, a, yeah, I'm, well, definitely, we, I'm definitely interested we when do it have comes a, to that 140 plus mil yeah. travel. Mm-hmm. We do have a yeah. Dreadnought uh, on the way for testing. So that's cool. a 150 rear travel. Awesome. Yeah, that I really want to ride. And then I want to ride that back to back against that Deviate, mm-hmm. which you rode the Deviate a I lot. I did the Claymore. The Claymore, yeah, yeah, the longer travel. That was a really fun bike. Yeah, and you guys made a YouTube video about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so go check that out if yeah. you're curious. It did feel chainless to an extent. Like, yeah, I could not believe cool. how good the rear suspension worked. And even on like technical climbs, I was like blown away uh, how much traction and just like how well it scooted up tech mm-hmm. climbs. Um, but yeah. yeah. Those, those are the types of bikes that the faster you go and the more you're sort of pushing your own limits on the bike, riding down steeper stuff, rougher stuff, or in racing scenarios where you're under really hard braking in different scenarios and, and it's super rough, that's where high pivots starts to really shine. Yeah. And you go, whoa, this is nice. I like this. It was really nice. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm pretty keen to try the Forbidden um, Druid and Dreadnought, but they both seem like super sick bikes. Yeah, so with Forbidden, they released a new Druid V2 this past week um, where their Druid was the original bike that they came out with uh, a couple years ago. That kind of, I think it was their only bike they launched when they launched a brand. Um, so they came out the V2 where they actually changed up the suspension design a little bit and... Um, they added a pivot near the rear axle, which helps tune both anti-squat and anti-rise characteristics. Um, and just kind of more fine-tune what they have going on back there with the high pivot design. Um, so yeah, instead so, of like a single pivot, single high pivot, it's now inverted four bar, right? Uh, yeah, that's what they said. I'm not, I haven't looked into it. That's why I didn't want to say if it's inverted four bar, but I they did say that and I did read that. Um, so yeah, it's a 130 rear travel, 150 front, uh, modern geo like you'd expect. Um, no like weird stuff going on. It has, you know, internal cable routing, but not through the headset. It's got UDH, um, kind of just standard stuff. So stuff you would expect. Yeah. And not on a, on a flagship yeah. high on end a, yeah, premium level exactly. mountain bike. Man, um, they look so good. It does look really good. Really Their good. colors look really good. I want to buy this the more I look at it. I know. I know. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> Me first. It's just, a, it's just such a rare, rad brand, yeah. too, that it, it makes me really interested in. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I need that in my life. It looks pretty rad. Bike looks good. 
everyone has good things to say about it. The brand is cool. Working with them has been good so far. So Awesome. Um, yeah, everything was good about it. Yep, definitely a bike and a brand worth checking out. I, I'm just still continuously happy that there are small boutique mountain bike brands that continue to push the limits and make amazing bikes that are actually still usually almost always better than the big box brands because they're catering to a different audience and they're going even higher end than it would make logical sense for a big box brand to do. And it's just cool that that exists. And catering to a more niche audience, which, you know, can pinpoint what you like and that's Mm -hmm. why it might perform better for you. Right. So it's honestly just like a lot more exciting to me personally when I see like a new bike come out like this too. Cause like, I don't know for me, if I see like a new Trek or giant or whatever specialized come out, I'm just like, cool cool you know but see good like bikes like, but oh yeah nice you know like like skunk works type deal you know like i don't know that yeah just like new big box bikes don't really excite me as much i guess yeah, yeah. so it also is 2929 and mullet compatible with this swap of a rear link Ooh. so or no or a flip chip or something flippity chippity uh, chip a flip yeah it's it's compatible one way or another i'm not i have to read in exactly how they do that sick but yeah fanciness fanciness all right so deviate's new bike deviate's highlander new bike. 2 the highlander 2 was the highlander or the claymore a more popular bike for deviate claymore you think so yeah well it's newer and they just really hit the nail on the head with that and um and they got some seriously good enduro world series results with that bike they got good that, results yeah. with it they got a really good pink bike endorsement with it um you know, it is, even though the Druid V2 is 130 travel and the Druid was also 130 rear travel, high pivots really do shine with a little bit more travel, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Claymore has more travel. It's 165 rear, I believe. So it's a monster. Yeah. Um, but the Highlander is a good bike. And we had a demo and I spent probably like two months on that Highlander first version. And I really liked it. It was a cool bike. Um, did everything pretty well. But the Highlander 2... Just kind of get the same updates. Um, uh, it's 145 rear travel, so they split difference between the two previous Highlander models, 140 and 150. Mm-hmm. So 145, you know, slight slacker. Um, what does it have? 65-degree head tube angle, 77-degree seat tube angle. So the only thing about Highlander 2 is it does not have UDH. So mm. if that is a... Stickler for someone, then it, it does, does not, not have UDH. It does said. not have mm. UDH. That's a bummer, man. But I really like the way Deviate does their cable routing on yeah. their front triangle. It's like yeah, that is nice. Fully external, yet it's like hidden and tucked away. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's really clean. I like like what they do there. So yeah, pretty sneaky. <laughs> pretty sneaky. Pretty sneaky. I wonder if UDH, it's, I mean, we kind of feel right now that, oh, your bike really needs UDH, but I wonder how much that's going to end up mattering. Well, like, we'll see. Because yeah. there's still a lot of great yeah. derailers oh, that totally. slap yeah. on there without UDH. I a mean, lot of people still also well, love and ride Shimano only, and they don't care at all if it yeah. has UDH. And so and I think it's just so in the news lately, it's all on our mind. But yeah. at the end of the day, I don't think it matters as much as maybe we're all and like feeling for you, it does. You don't ride Axis right now. Yeah, I kind of mm. like a mechanical drivetrain. And so that, that's only a normal care. normal derailleur mount. So it doesn't matter yeah. to you right now if it does have UDH or not. Yeah. But it, like, it is easy to travel. That's what UDH I was going to say. It is, is like, you know, a plus, but, you know, yeah. having to find a, 
a derailleur hanger for a deviate. Yeah, it's uh, almost less. Know? It's less about the T-type compatibility transmission right. drivetrain and more about just U- come universal on, just, availability. Yeah. There's one. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it later. But with a quote from a question later, and this is: <laughs> Are we going to be stuck in the hell of unique derailleur hangers? <laughs> <laughs> Which is totally reasonable. Yeah, like, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it is honestly more about the availability and just like accessibility to having a replacement than than the T-type at this point too. Yeah. Um, Both but, these yeah. bikes just look so good. The high pivot setup and these these particular brands just yeah. did a really good job with their design language and everything that yeah. they're doing. I actually think the Druid V2 took that up a notch from the V1. I, yeah. I still like Agreed. the V1, but I think the design cues of the V2, the angles, the lines, they rerouted the where the chain goes, so now it goes in the rear triangle instead of above it. So, yeah, they also moved that idler wheel back so it has more chain wrap on that front chain ring therefore not needing a lower chain guide. Mm-hmm. So they helped reduce some drag by eliminating that. So yeah. Nice. They look really good, both of them. I'm digging that. Yep, I'm impressed. That's cool. A lot of good bikes to choose from these days. Yeah. Too many. Yeah, seriously. And I already have too many, so I'm like, <laughs> yeah. The good thing to remember is that buying really high-end mountain bikes, uh, you know, nine times out of ten if not 9.7 times out of 10, is you're actually buying an asset. It's kind of like buying a car. You can resell it for a reasonable amount. True. Um, it's not just throwaway money. So you're actually buying an asset that then you can resell for a reasonable amount of money and not much depreciation. Yeah. So Hopefully. Just something to so, remember. Just another thing in your arsenal, if your significant other is wondering that, why it's necessary to spend yep. 10 grand on a bike, you can say, whoa, 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 slow down. Listen here. I can sell this for 7,500 in you know, six months or a year. You know, so yeah. yeah. You can resell these things. That's right. So it's not throwaway money. No, it's not. It's an asset. Put that stuff on your little net worth tracking document yeah you got that on your you got all your bikes on your net worth tracking document <laughs> definitely don't but it helps it go up not. like 20k <laughs> <laughs> one of them is cracked it's not really worth anything i mean yeah well we won't even go there <laughs> not worth tracking. What cracked bike my open is the crack in it you cracked it no i got it cracked you mean remember you I, it it's it is carl's old bike oh yeah it was a warranty situation yeah now, those guys are not mountain bikers. They're not listening to this. They're yeah. gravel guys. No, it's 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 cool. It has a little like a rock chip slash crack slash whatever you want to call it. It, it was a crash replacement. It wasn't a warranty. Crash mm. replacement. Yeah. There you go. Mm. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. You're really making us look high class over here. You're riding <laughs> crash replacement bikes. <laughs> oh, you would never do that on a mountain bike. Just on a. Yeah, never. Just, just on a gravel bike. I would bike. absolutely never do that on a mountain just bike. Just on a gravel bike. Yeah. No, Speaking and it's of, fine. I'd bunny hop it off curbs and stuff. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't have much room to talk since I was riding that. You really don't. Salsa cutthroat <laughs> that had the crack in the top tube. That was entirely yeah. my fault from it blowing over in the wind and falling on a rock. Um, but that bike sold, um, which I'm really sad because I I already miss it. It's been gone for three days, and I'm like, well, I need that bike back. Now, uh, bike. you know, you can you can spin this into a positive light. You get to build a new bike. I know. It just <laughs> takes time, and I just want it now. <laughs> Two bikes. You're going to build that ro- it, the Rover and another Yeah, I'm going to build a proper gravel bike. And it takes more of my time, more than his time. <laughs> ride. Yeah. <laughs> to try and ride a real gravel bike. I'm going to ride that Rebel Rover, and then I'm going to build another Cutthroat, because that Cutthroat is the funnest bike ever. Yeah. Just an ultra-lightweight, rigid mountain bike. It's just a really fun bike. I never knew Funnest bike liked. ever, in quotes. Maybe get that on the engraved on the top tube. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have said it quite like that. And I didn't know you were going to 
be like the media and spin me out of context. Yeah. <laughs> that is fully in context. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, well. Yeah. Uh, it really All right. It's the title of this podcast. Funnest bike ever. Flat, really, it really is a flat bike. bar gravel bike. <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> it's so fun. Yeah. I don't, I don't doubt you. I love my gravel bike too. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, you know, flat bars. Great. Yeah, it is. All right. This is a good question. Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably relevant to a lot of people. Yeah, super relatable. At what point do you stop upgrading an older bike you love and break the bank on a new ride? So, well, you're not breaking a bank; you're getting an asset. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We just told you that. You're just reallocating <laughs> the bank. So the the gentleman goes on to say, riding a 2016 Trek Fuel EX 9.8 that I have changed to a one by. Had a carbon crack repair on the frame, new wheels, a few services on the suspension, and two service bike rebuilds. I love the geo of the bike and how it rides, but lately I've been considering an upgrade. <laughs> well, I was first thinking, wow, 2016, the geo is getting getting a little bit dated there. A little new, bit. New bikes do ride very differently. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of this comes down to personal preference, of course, and what would help you decide is if you go to a demo event yeah, yeah definitely. and you ride the latest and greatest. And if you think, man, I think these are so much better. I'm going to have to buy one. Then that's what you think. And if yeah. you ride it and you're like, eh, I don't know, didn't notice it that much. I still like my old bike. Then there's, then there's your answer. This guy should go to the Sedona Mountain Bike Festival next year. Or Outer Bike. Or Outer Bike and there's demo all the bikes. bikes going on this year. And then you can pick the bike but to me it sounds like this guy's gotten a lot of use out of this thing a lot of life a lot of life a lot he's of love still riding a 2016 trek like, fuel and good on you man. maintained it and upgraded the drivetrain and service the suspension yeah i mean 2016 you know in in my world that is like the suspension on that the geo on that all yeah. of that stuff is just so dated and but and i mean is so it that dated like i had a 2015 uh what was it v2 or v3 nomad and I mean, that's still a, a great bike. Like if you just take it for what it is, like, yeah, obviously if you're comparing it to something brand new, it's like, you're going to notice some differences, but like, I'm sure this guy's still having a blast on this thing. Like, and geo is still probably fun. Well, you can like, always have a blast on anything. Right. That rolls. It's exactly. Fun, it's funnest bike ever is a 90s mountain bike. <laughs> so, but you know what I'm saying? Um, but to me, it's like, you know, if, if you're riding all the time and you feel like you kind of are reaching the end of life or not even that, but like you got your money's worth, like maybe it's time to invest in a new ride. But yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say it definitely is preference. And I was going to say, go out and try other bikes, try new bikes, try different types of bikes, try, you know, bikes that are super slack and long, try bikes that are, you know, kind of just in the middle high pivots. Like there's a lot of stuff to choose from now. Um, and geometry's come a long way. And suspension's come a long and, way. And I was yeah. going to say, like and when I When I read shocks. the word 2016, I just think, man, I remember how suspension felt then. Yeah. And yeah. it was way, it was just way behind. It was just way more rigid, way less progressive. I mean, it just did not, it was pogo sticky, just wasn't as good. There's been a lot of changes in suspension since then. Yeah, 100%. So, yep. That's what I. I guess, yeah, it's like, what, seven years ago? And probably, yeah, that's, yeah. that's crazy. And he also... Just to like put it out there, you might feel like your first few rides on a brand new 2023 bike might feel weird because they are so long and slack and different that, you know, it might feel foreign at first. Um, But, you know, there's a reason why they've gone that way. So, yeah, just got to give them a few rides. 
I think the best test is to just go ride the latest and greatest and see if it really if it blows your socks off and you think you got to have it because it's going to be that much more fun and capable and useful and awesome as a bike to ride. Yeah. Then heck yeah, do it. Or if you think, eh, it hasn't changed that much, then there's yeah. your answer. Just I mean, an honestly, old bike, that's kind of it. It's kind of what happened to me. Like uh, years ago, before I started working here, I had like a 2012 Santa Cruz Blair 26 or you know like two by ten or whatever, and I did a Santa Cruz factory demo. I demoed a new Nomad, and I. It blew, blew my socks off. Like mm-hmm. you said, I was like, oh my God, this is horrible. I need one of these now. <laughs> and like, I kept on breaking stuff on the blur and I was like, oh man, you know, like this thing is just not, not built for it. Um, but yeah, I kind of opened my eyes and like fast forward to when I started working at worldwide and I had the nomad and I wrote a new, like brand new SB 150 and the same thing happened. I was like, oh man, this thing just blew that thing out of the water. Like, so yeah, that'll probably happen every few years if you're riding a bike that's, you know, several years old, I guess. Let's hope because that means that bike innovation continues to progress and yeah. go in the right direction and blows the socks off of people and they have to get something new. Yeah. So we'll see. Or are we at a product innovation plateau? Hmm? Only time will tell. We'll see. I have a feeling we're not though. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to predict things like that. Yeah. If you had the answers to that, you would be <laughs> a much wealthier man. <laughs> Nostradamus. Wouldn't we all? <laughs> How about this one? Do uh, crank sets really have an effect on your bike's performance? Currently, bike my bike has a race face effect crank, and it's fought its fair share of rocks. So I'm considering upgrading. But other than weight, are there any performance benefits to higher end cranks? Um, yeah. I mean, they can be stiffer for sure. Yeah. So yeah. that could be a thing. The effect though, there's two effect cranks. There's I think there's one with a 24 mil spindle, one with a 30 mil spindle. Oh yeah. It, or- yeah, I think so depending on which one you have, that might also like put you in a slight different category of where that sits, you know, kind of on the, the, the chain going upwards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, weight to me is the biggest weights, definitely the biggest. And then aesthetics is, I mean, that's kind of personal. Preference, I, but. I also think if you can remember back to riding really cheap cranks and then changing the cranks on that exact bike to a really higher end one, that's much stiffer. Mm-hmm. That makes that bike feel way different. Oh, totally. Like, you don't realize how much your cranks are just flexing like noodles yep. when you have lower end cranks mm-hmm. until you put on higher end carbon cranks. For sure. But yeah. we all ride high end stuff. So we maybe have forgotten that, right. but I remember viscerally when I was younger, a teenager, you know, and I got new cranks that were way higher end, my first carbon cranks. And I just thought, holy crap, these are so stiff. This makes my bike feel more powerful. Like you can just feel at every pedal stroke, Mm -hmm. how much less flex there is in those cranks. And that is cool and meaningful. Yes, it does. Yeah. Um, going from like a mid range crank to a high end crank, maybe not as much, but if you're on like the full blown low end spectrum and you go to the high end spectrum, you, anyone can notice a difference in the flex and how that feels and performs. For sure. That's kind of being two pounds lighter. Yeah. That's kind of where I was saying this. Affect is kind of just around that mid level. Yeah. It's already pretty nice. So, you know, going from affect to the highest end, like you might not notice a huge difference, but there is going to be a performance increase with stiffness. Yeah. Um, I remember doing that on an uh, old road or mountain bike when I was racing, like bought lower level because what I could afford and I was just like upgrading stuff as I got close to race season. And I finally put on like XO or XX carbon cranks compared to whatever was on there. And I'm like, oh yeah, like this is insane. Yeah. The way it feels like 30 mil spindle, stiffer crank arms, like all of it made a huge, huge difference. So Totally. Yeah, honestly, even going from like an Apex to the turbine, the new turbine crank is is pretty sick. It's still an aluminum crank, and yeah, um, yeah. And then experiment know. with different lengths too. 
cranks are going a little shorter. Like you might have a 175 AFET crank. Yeah. And now 170 is the norm. 165 is kind of creeping in to be like the new 170. So, mm-hmm. yeah. There you go. That's another benefit. That is another benefit. I remember. I still just am remembering when I had cheap cranks and made nicer cranks. Uh, you know what I also remember is E13, which they still do make these ultralight cranks. They used to make extremely lightweight aluminum cranks. Hmm. Uh, that were targeted towards the the XC side of things, and they were expensive, and they were the noodliest cranks. <laughs> they were so noodly, it was it was unreal. And I I had them on a uh, it was a dirt jump bike, but it was actually a Banshee, a Banshee amp. It was a dirt jump bike, but also a four cross bike, and I was kind of using it interchangeably between the two. And I had those cranks on there. I kind of always knew they were flexy, but then I ended up, when I started, it was like, oh, I'm going to race four cross on this more. I put Saint cranks on there. Nice. <laughs> it was like... It was a total night and day difference. Night and day. Man. Yeah. Comically, I had no idea how much those cranks <laughs> were flexy. Um, lightweight cranks on the high end have all gone carbon, and that helps them. But man, when back in the day, you know, 15 years ago, I must have been 12 years ago, when brands were trying to make the lightest possible aluminum cranks, yeah, that's just a that's a... A noodle waiting to happen. Yep. Checks out. Anyways. All right. Well, we need to take a short intermission. How about an ad? (laughs) Beep, 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 boop, boop. And now, a word from our sponsors. Hello, mountain bikers. Jeff again. Just wanted to quickly ask you for a favor. I genuinely appreciate if you could check out Trail One Components. Trail One is a brand we co-founded and one I personally worked on crafting the founding team, which is allowing myself and our crew here to design the stuff we've always wanted with an obscenely overqualified engineer. The idea was to create premium level mountain bike components that truly support the sport of mountain biking by giving back to trail networks with every single purchase. We have a growing line of products which can be seen on the Worldwide Cycler website as well as at trail1.bike. Speaking of which, if you use the code PODCAST25 on the Trail1 website, you can snag 25% off your first order. That's trail1.bike. Thank you. And now, back to the show. If you watch this podcast on YouTube, you can see all of the cocktails that I make. Oh, Uh, or... (laughs) <laughs> that, that never tastes good but look cool horrible. such as this one with say horrible cocktails. strawberries and gin they don't want to be cocktails i'm just not that good at making cocktails Mine's pretty darn good in one here. day we'll rain it we did have espresso martinis earlier we got stuff to make espresso martinis it's the hot cocktail these days yep we made a couple and they were delicious jared's big on uh, following instagram and tiktok trends that's not about true espresso martinis not today. true at all I do yeah. not follow that stuff. He actually <laughs> sent me a link to a TikTok with espresso martinis this oh, morning. Get out of here. I said, we should we should have these on the Mountain Bike podcast. The, you guys are the worst. <laughs> made that up. The worst co-hosts ever. Or the best. Just All right, read this next question. Speaking, it's directed towards you. Yeah. Dear Jared, you should bring Bean onto the podcast to give some meows of advice on the best style for felines. I totally agree. Also, is Trail One ever going to make pedals or chain rings? Well, Liam... Trail one. Hang on, I gotta stop. Oh no. <laughs> this I got, is what the rock was for? Yeah, I got pet rock. King, to com- King Lentil, the Lentil? fourth. Oh my god. King Lentil. You wrote the on it. What is that? A Sharpie? We, we've been. It's paint pen? The occasional <laughs> mention of Jared's cat Bean, and then somehow pet rocks got mentioned. And we just keep getting pummeled in the comments and the questions about pet rocks and, and mostly bean content. And bean, uh, Jared's cat, 
and now Liam has a giant rock in his hand. If you're watching this on YouTube, and he painted, did you paint that? Yeah. You, you took the time to paint that. Well, paint pen. King lentil the fourth. Where's the first three? You probably ruined a whole an entire paint pen doing that. So you're gonna take so that home right off and, and the company? Uh, <laughs> feed it, take <laughs> care of it. Are expensive. This is a huge commitment you have, Liam. You have to take care of that now. But do you, you guys, oh, wait, aren't so even appreciating the name. Pull out the pet rock as soon King as the lentil, cat gets like, is that supposed to be a nod to the bean queen? It's the king of bean. This is in charge of bean. Oh. Because mm. it's king lentil. But see, bean is the queen, so I guess they're doing it together somehow. She's a princess. Right. Rain it in. All right, all right. We're way uh, off of the mountain bike topic. Is Trail One ever going to make pedals or chain rings? The answer is yes. Uh, we actually have a pedal uh, that's already been designed and in production right now, and it's awesome. That's super exciting. Composite, yes. and it looks rad, and I'm really excited to introduce that to the world. We're going to do an aluminum version? Yeah, Working we will do an aluminum it. version as well. Nice. Uh, crazy high-end CNC'd one. So, we have, you know, we got to gotta cover the bases, got to have a super high-end CNC'd alloy version and then a nice, good composite one that's at a totally different yeah. price point. So, I'd say right. mid, working mid on. and high. Not nice. Low, but mid. We're going well, like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> awesome. Chain rings, we've thought about it. I have a chain visual, cool design, but then it's like other people make good chain rings and then you're like, you know, we also work closely with the manufacturers and they don't love third-party chain. It's a mess. I don't know. I don't yeah. know if I want to get into that right now. Yeah. yeah, there's just a lot of weird patent minefield stuff around chain rings that doesn't exist amongst other components because there's that whole uh, SRAM X-Sync thing that had to do with the yeah. narrow wide chain ring. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's just some weird chain ring shenanigans that not really sure if it's a necessary product to make. If anyone listening to this has any really interesting ideas or thoughts on chain rings, let us know. Yeah. I'm very curious. Yeah. But also on this question... Is this person asking for the best saddle for felines for cats or felines for like female mountain bike riders or best saddles? The best saddle for felines. For anyone? I think they mean cats. So that's a joke. I think so. Okay. Move yeah. On. Moving on. Moving on. What do you think is the worst thing a person can put in their bio on a dating app? Zodiac sign. Really? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's definitely like a red flag for sure. Run. If someone asks you. Zodiac sign, run. <laughs> Someone asks you what time they're born, run faster. <laughs> I'm going to say any... I would have thought those were kind of the girls you might like. I I mean, yeah, I could see that. Right? <laughs> yeah. You want to go to like, Tulum and you know, see Rufus the... the Soul? Like, what's your sign? <laughs> Jared, Don't you need to like, realign your chakras? Touche. Um, I'm going to say any sort of like political affiliation, like... That's kind, that's kind of like, you know, I think, you save that kind of stuff. I think that weeds out 50% of the people. <laughs> you think so? Well, so does your Zodiac sign, I guess. I don't Maybe know. even 75. But I don't know. You don't want to be like straight off the bat, you know, like I'm hardcore this or that. You're going to alienate people like off the bat that you could get along with and then... Yeah, but if you're a super yeah. polarizing political person on either side, wouldn't you want to just alienate the other one so you don't bother with them? I don't know. I mean, you can coexist with someone and not share the same political ideologies. Like, That's a very my parents are hard, high your, tension. My, yeah, par my dad is super conservative right. and my mom is like the other end of the it's, spectrum. You know, like, your your parents are one of the bright spots in America. Thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate the that. Fact, <laughs> the fact that they have totally different political <laughs> views and they've been happily married. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's good. Oh, she That's did really say cool. some stuff like, if you vote for Donald Trump, I will divorce you. 
<laughs> she did say some stuff like that, but they, you know, they coexist they peacefully and they've been married, married happily yeah. for, and you know. currently on a road trip across America. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, I just went to a new dentist yesterday. <laughs> oh, nice. So Jared's dad and was my dentist for my, literally my entire life and my family's dentist. Well, so how was it? Long before I even met Jared. And his dad retired, so I have to find a new dentist. Nice, great. Yeah. Great experience. I mean, obviously not as good as my dad. Well, that's, that's nah. you know, need. <laughs> I mean, yeah, your dad was fantastic. Best dentist in the world. Didn't even need to even throw that out there. But yeah. that, he, that, that he, there was even a comparison because it's. The best part is you don't even know where you're going to go for dental work now. No. <laughs> I thought about just doing it myself. <laughs> <laughs> Tell your dad that. Yeah, he would probably love that. <laughs> Why doesn't your dad just like. Just give you the old, you know, son special. Just come over, well, son. Well, it's because he doesn't, like, do cleanings. Like, you know, that's all I really want is, like, you know, yeah. he can tell no, me that's something is, like, jacked too. up. Yeah. But, like, I'm not going to make him clean my teeth. Hold will go get something, you know. I'll have somebody do that. All right, we are um, off topic. Anyways, yeah. How about the next question? Once again. <laughs> yeah. <or> we keep. <laughs> I think I recall you guys mentioning some MTB-specific. Oh, wait, no, you didn't answer it. The dating app question. I don't know the right answer for that. <laughs> oh, come on. Just mm. what's the first thing that comes to your head? You're scrolling through, you see a uh, potential mate, and you think, oh, God, <laughs> but there's that in mm. the bio. Like, she likes rock climbing. Maybe if maybe if there's a request of, uh, I'll only DM you back if you make over, if you make six oh, yeah. figures. Like, you have to be over six feet, make over six figures. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> this- if that's in there, yeah, I'm like, God, I 100%. Just, yeah, that's like zero interest totally in the girl that material. Depending on where you live, six figures is just like, <laughs> cool. You can almost afford a mortgage, right? <laughs> Are you counting decimal places? Cause yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Um, next question. Oh, no, no, no. I got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's your your Amazon wish list link. Oh, oh no. Is that they a put thing? That in the bio. Do people do that? It's in girls' Instagram profiles for no sure. No way. Oh, yeah. Tap on some of those links. That's insane. Now we're really embarrassing me. Yeah. Let's <laughs> let's move on. Get back on the mountain. I tapped on some okay. links. This, yeah. this is the Mountain Bike Podcast. Mountain Bike Podcast. Welcome. I think I recall you guys mentioning some MTB-specific Kettle Mountain shorts. Any idea on the timeline for those? I love the Virtue shorts for riding and need a, another pair or two, but I may want to hold off until we see the new shorts. Thanks. All right, I'm ready for this one. Yeah, geared I'm up, bro. Ready, baby. All right, geared up. send it, bro. Take so it the idea with the Virtue shorts was to really make this sort of elegant hybrid short that worked actually sw- with swimming um, as a board short, but worked great on a mountain bike and worked great wearing casually. So it's a super thin, lightweight fabric that dries quick, stretchy, kind of hits all those things. And then the trim and the cuts got pockets and it just actually looks good as like a good lifestyle short. And you can also ride bikes in it. And then we have longer inseams, which help for riding bikes. But it, yeah, it was very much of a, a hybrid sort of extremely versatile short. And we have designed a mountain bike specific short that has a much more tailored cut, just what you'd want on a mountain bike, um, different pocket layout. And uh, yeah, we do have that. And material, right? And material, yeah. Yeah, so that's super durable material. Um, and yeah, I think, I think people are going to love it. I think it's, it's super dialed in. Also has a little bit more ventilation mm. on that upper butt crack mm. area. Mm. Cause that upper butt crack area when you're, yeah, you rod. do get a lot of upper butt crack sweat. Major swamp. Yep. <laughs> and that's it. That happens when you ride bikes. And yeah. You're seated and you're 100%. Moving, you know, on the saddle. Well, it's like not that. always when I ride bikes. So. 
<laughs> so yes, we do. Uh, it'll be showing up in July, and yeah, I'm optimistic on it. I think that nice. mountain bikers abound are going to love it. And yeah, kettle. You know, because a lot of us are mountain bikers, we do a ton of other sports, but we want to have some really good mountain bike specific pieces, some really good sort of hybrid versatile pieces, and then a lot of good sort of lifestyle travel sort of general outdoor gear as well. So trying to trying to nail all nail all those nails, you know. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's awesome. That's what I'm talking about. Kettle getting nailed. So July oh. is when. Yeah, the, ans- the answer is sometime in July. Right. Yeah. Thinking about putting a coil on my stump jumper Evo. I live in South Carolina where it's pretty flat, but try to get to North Carolina as much as I can. There are some jumps around here, but would there be any benefits to of going to a coil? Um, well, you know, I know it's pretty gnarly up there in uh, Pisgah and stuff and pretty technical. But a coil would probably It'd go look well cool. there. It would certainly look cool. Um, although I don't know, I feel like I've heard some bad things about putting a coil on that on those on those specialized bikes. Yeah, I think is that the one that has the yoke that breaks shocks. They have a yoke on that bike. I don't know if it's long enough to break shocks. Uh, some of the suspension companies have put out the length of your yoke to the shaft length of your shock. There's like a ratio where it's okay and then where it's not okay. I don't know where the Stump Jumper Evo falls on that. Hmm. However, I don't think that bike is very progressive. So you might be using a lot of travel Hmm. um, or using a lot of the travel frequently, more frequently than you want to. Hmm. Um, However, that being said, uh, North Carolina is pretty rocky and rooty and having a coil, which the main benefit of a coil is to have a more supple kind of off the top feel, Mm -hmm. um, could really help you get more traction in that Rocky and Rudy stuff. Um, but I think in the end of the day, you know, I know we try to like not do it, but coil versus air is personal preference. And I almost always go back to air after trying coil on a bike as I just prefer the feeling of air and, and how I can tune it for my weight and my riding style better. So, hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some good benefits to coil. It makes the bike feel more like a downhill bike, super supple off the top. But it is tough because, I don't know, I mean, if we're being honest, I don't I don't ride a coil on any of my bikes, and I'm not really planning to unless it's either. a full-blown downhill bike. And also, if where you live is pretty flat, then you don't want to, like, you know, hamstring yourself on your native trails because where you want to go ride is... Yeah, on occasion. Yeah. It's like you occasionally go to the bike park where a coil would make sense, but right. you ride the other 80% of the time yeah. in local trails. And even then, I prefer air to bike park because I'm going there for the jumps. You air know? shocks have just come such a long way yeah. and they've become so much more supple and progressive and tunable that it's it's really hard for a coil shock to now compete yeah. with an air shock. Yeah, and just like, you know, your air shocks can be more adjustable... Like a pi- just an air shock yeah. with like a piggyback is, is probably sufficient. Definitely. I think. However, I would say I know Push does make a 11.6 for a Stump Jumper Evo. Mm. And that might be the good middle ground of getting a shock that's tuned for that bike yeah. and kind of fixes the progressive ratio. Progressive, progressive ratio? Progression ratio. Progression ratio. Yeah. Um, on that. So Push could be an option as well. Nice. That's pretty legit. Yeah, I didn't know they made a shock for that bike. Yeah, there is also progressive springs now too. Yep. Um, Cane Creek makes them Sprindex. Sprindex. Springdex. Springdex. Well, there's no G. It's just Sprin. Oh, Sprin. Sprindex. Sprindex. It's kind of a weird word, but totally they, they make them. Yeah. Um, those those are 
two interesting progressive springs that you can use. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Cooler shocks are cool. They do they do still have a unique feel off the top, which mm-hmm. is rad. But yeah, it is getting every every day that goes by. It's harder for coil shocks to compete with how good air shocks have gotten. Yeah, yeah. but so. I think yeah, it just kind of goes back to like make your bike good for what you do most of the time. Yeah, eighty twenty like, rule. Yeah, because like I've been there too. You know, I want like the full on enduro bike because I love riding that stuff and like coil this and. And like, you know, heavy duty that. Pounds this yeah, and... exactly. But then it's like, and then you want to just go ride like by your house and you're like, oh man, this, this bike is not very good for <laughs> riding around yeah. here. <laughs> it's really only what the I like to go ride on the weekends, bikes. right? Yeah. yeah. More bikes. So, you know, that's, that's when you kind of split the difference, man. You get that long travel bike and that short travel bike. <laughs> <laughs> or in his case, get an air shock and a coil or, shock. Yeah, or in your case, man, maybe you just you swap them out. For and when swap you them take out. The trips. I'm sure it'll probably take you five minutes to swap a shock on that it bike. It is pretty easy to take shocks on and off. So yeah, it, for it, sure. It, Especially on that bike. Yeah. It's not like not, it isn't unusual to have two shocks. No. There's definitely yeah. people that have shocks that they use for most riding and shocks that they put on their bike for the summer season when they go to bike parks a lot. Totally. Or even yep. tires, man. Like you could throw on some, yeah. some thick casing yeah. tires you know with a good compound and like yeah. shocks tires yeah those are definitely yeah, common like, to swap out yeah when you go to north carolina and like that'll that'll really change how your bike rides on those rocks also don't forget it is just half the fun of mountain bikes is upgrading random stuff and yeah. trying and just trying and just yeah. trying stuff it's true even if you're like wow it's a little worse on these trails but a little more fun on these trails like that's yeah. just fun to do like, totally it's literally half the fun i think a lot of people us included and most riders enjoy doing is upgrading their bike and changing stuff just for the sake of experiencing it yeah 100 like, oh, tinkering man, puzzling whatever yeah it's fun totally it's, it's enjoyable to do that and mountain bikes are still infinitely modular like that which makes a huge difference and yeah it's fun totally awesome how about this one this is actually a very interesting question what's the weirdest thing you've given someone as a gift well, this um, the only thing I thought of when I saw that question yeah. is, and I think it's, is it still on our Instagram story highlights? Like the oldest one is that holiday party, yeah, which is four years old at this Probably, point, I five think, years yeah. old at this point. The, we, we, we threw a holiday party rager at the Worldwide Cyclery California location one year. And for whatever reason, you know, some, some days I just have the desire to document a bunch of stuff on Instagram stories happens about once every eight months. And I happened to do it for that holiday party and it was hilarious. Uh, so if you're familiar with Instagram story highlights, swipe to the oldest one, it's all the way over on the right hand side, click on the holiday party, you'll find some good entertainment. But in that, oh yeah, uh, I was, I it was, we did a secret Santa. Yeah. Secret Santa, right? Yep. Is that as, we, as we do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, secret Santa. And I, uh, I had asked Jane to buy my gift for Michael and she <laughs> forgot and, or she bought it and didn't have it or something. So, so I, so I bought like during the party, I bought a Whole Foods gift card I and, and then that. I printed it out like on that. a full size piece of paper. I was going to say, was this the Whole Foods <laughs> gift card? printed out a Whole Foods gift card on a piece of paper. <laughs> it's like Whole Foods, like the logo and just yeah, like $30. Just, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then, so I don't know. That was the first thing that popped in my head when I thought of that. I was like, I, just, I printed out a gift card I bought on the spot because I forgot to get the Secret yeah. Santa gift. That's pretty I good. Think, I think so. the gifts you were given that party were way more weird than that. Yeah. yeah I don't know I who gave them got to you, some though. weird gifts. Uh, mm-hmm. I got a pretty weird gift I gave someone once. So um, uh, my bu- it was for my buddy's wedding, actually. It was a wedding gift. And um, he has a, a cabin up in the, in the mountains. Um, so we thought it would be a great idea to get him a crossbow as a wedding <laughs> gift. <laughs> we got him a crossbow. That is a good idea. It was sick. I mean, it Did was, you it shoot was, it? I don't know. 
<laughs> you can text him right now and ask him. I will ask him. But I've always wanted to shoot a crossbow. It seems it's, fun. It was legit. We were just like, man, you know, I think we got him like a target too. Like they could set it up, you know, and have a good time. But, you know, in hindsight, they were like, why the did you get us a crossbow for a wedding gift? <laughs> you know, like the wife was definitely like, you guys are ridiculous. <sighs> That's the weirdest thing I've probably ever gotten somebody. What about you, Liam? I don't know, man. I feel like I'm a boring gift giver now. I don't even know <laughs> what's weird. I did get a pretty weird gift from Taiwan uh, to give to my roommate, but or just whoever, but just kind of brought it home. But I don't really want to talk about it on here, so <laughs> we're going to move on. <laughs> Nice. The gift was too inappropriate to make it onto the podcast. Yes, it was. And if you're listening this far, you must know that at this point, we make this podcast PG-13. Intentionally, yep. because we want you to be able to listen to it around your family and children, etc. However, Adam did send you a photo of me next to the sign in Taiwan. Oh, yes, yes. Um, which was the story went in, so you could probably put that together of what mm-hmm. I got. There's a lot of uh, interesting gifts and knickknacks that are sold in Asia. Yeah. Phallic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh-huh. All right. Uh-huh. How about? Oh, I think I know the answer to this one. Just, I mean, general. toilet paper over or under. So is is this? Well, does under mean you go in front of the twig and berries? No, that means that you put the roll on. Yeah. The thing. Well, I oh, I, wanted, oh, I, wanted, I thought we meant wiping. Oh, no, I want a clarification on that as well. No, totally, that's like how do you put totally. the roll on? Yeah, we're talking about toilet well, paper. Okay, so that is. Oh yeah, it literally says toilet paper. This is a Friday yeah, podcast. Yeah, not, not wiping I the, technique. I should have read toilet paper. So <laughs> for some reason, so they're actually technique. There's only one correct answer because the toilet paper roll patent from like 1920 it goes over. It goes over. Yeah. So if you're doing it under, you're actually not even doing it correctly. You're doing so it wrong. It's one answer, it's over. Yeah. Um, now for my technique, no, we'll move on. <laughs> Jeez. There needs to be a larger pole because I know some people, for whatever reason, like the waterfall on the backside. What? what? Some people like well, it's harder to get. You can't. See, oh, no, 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 I like, agree. I agree. I, I yeah. want. I want the waterfall to roll like a waterfall. But some people don't like that. Whenever like, I see trust, it in the me. back, I just assume I, that it was in. You know, it's just an accident. A, a lapse of judgment and in in. Or sometimes yeah. when you put a fresh roll on, you can't tell. You always, you know, and if you're in a rush, you, you just always, like throw it on there. You always pull uh, it and check. And then if no, it's if it's on if it's on the, if it's you on the back, you got time to pull it and check when you put the new roll on. Yeah, I'm on there for ten minutes, dude. Well, you got it. You to check. It's it's I think common courtesy to like pull out the first piece so like the next person doesn't just like you know haphazardly try and you know yeah. and if break on, in the roll. If it's on wrong, I, I thought it was just it. common th- courtesy just to replace it and then just get out. <laughs> You're ninety percent there. Yeah, but the last ten percent is making sure it's correct. Yeah, bidet wow. people over here listening like toilet paper. Why use kidding. that? I use a reusable cloth. Uh, <laughs> that, goes, All right. that goes hand in hand with the zodiac sign in the bottom. Right. Right. If you've listened this far, thank you. Uh, we apologize, or maybe don't apologize because maybe you enjoyed the slightly off-topic conversations. But yeah, we're a little more casual today because it's Friday. Yeah, party shirt Friday. We're not wearing party shirts. Were we going to try we and bring that back? We oh, should. Though. We do. But you Our know, store in Nevada, Tyler is wearing a party shirt last gray. Friday out yeah, there like yeah, it's, it yeah. hasn't really been party vibe in the yeah, environment still lately feel, it still doesn't feel like summer yeah, yeah. Um, we need we need sunny for party shirts but you know i just had a quick comment you know regarding the lentil king um because oh uh you know i think what you what you actually meant was the legume king because lentils and beans are are separate they're <laughs> both yes part of the legume family um 
But unfortunately, that lentil king doesn't reign over anybody. Yeah, he might be right. You may have messed that one up. Yeah. It's still, yeah. I'm well, sorry, dude, man. I had five minutes to prepare for this. I found the <laughs> rock. I Googled best bean plants, and lentil came up. And I was best, like, king lentil sounds good. Best bean plants. So uh, I think Lord Legume would also suffice personally. Thank you all who has ever commented about Bean. I'm sure it makes Jared happy. But more importantly, it does. if you've listened this far, if you leave our podcast review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and you screenshot it and you send it over to podcast at com, yes, Jared will send you a fancy little gift fi- card. $15, 15, yeah. off, discount code, $15 gift off discount card, something code, yeah. like that. Because um, um, we really appreciate the reviews yeah. and all the kind words from you all. So thank you. We currently have the highest rated mountain bike podcast on ever the, on the planet. We could just say ever, ever. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Before we wrap, should we go over our previous show notes, previous episode? I mean, rip through it quickly. All right. So here we go. A couple of you guys might remember, or all of you might remember uh, how we talked about, you know, Continental Tires uh, a couple episodes ago and how somebody was looking for advice on Vitoria Tires. So here we go. Vitoria. Vitoria, excuse me, pronunciation. There you go. I am an avid fan of Vitoria MTB Tires going back to their GX brand. I have purchased many Vitoria Tires from WC and I hope you keep stocking them. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, we will we keep stocking them. The Maza goes head-to-head with the DHF or DHR. I run the Maza in front. The break point is so much better and more predictable. Mm. I run the Martello on the rear for all your traction. Best at everything from climbing rocks to hard corners and braking. The Agaro 2.5 trail tire is also one of the best fast-rolling, most predictable tires for the front since the WTV Muteno Raptor. Is that how you say that one? Muteno Raptor. I have also I have also seen a local rider run them front and rear. I'm a tire aficionado like you guys, and I agree there are so many options and confusion for rubber on the market. Um, yeah, basically saying Vitoria is simple, two casing options, multi-compound rubber, graphene, can't be beat. You should check it out. Well, I have been reaching out to them to try to get some samples and their new tire insert, which I also want to try. The ear, so hopefully ear they continue to respond to me. Because it's a little pulling teeth right now. And we can get that going. Yeah. Awesome. Dowling Company, they have a U.S. distributor. So it's not hard for us to sort of stock them as long as the distributor has good inventory. But it is a little hard to communicate with them on various things. Correct. That's Uh, fair. But, you know, we'll see. I'm going to keep working at it. Part of why Maxis is Maxis and so dominant in the mountain bike world is not just because they have fantastic, probably class-leading performing tires, but... They're also just on top of it. Yeah. Like their United States headquarters is on top of talking to retailers yeah. and brands and sponsoring riders and making right. sure World Cups are won on those tires. And their distribution's good. Their OEM's all, all good. Yeah. In every bike shop. Aaron and Andrew yeah. kick ass. They're awesome dudes, and they run it really well. So. 100%. Yeah, they, yep. they really do a good job. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, that's we pretty cool, see. you know, to, to get some more insight on the Vitoria tires. But, yeah, I'm not opposed to trying new tires. I've been trying those Continentals. Yeah. I'm 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 all about trying new tires. Me too. I'm I'm a so fan of those Continental tires. I will try I'll tire any tire. You will tire. I'm just trying to make a pun. <laughs> it's Friday. Thank, thank you very much for listening this far. We appreciate it, and we will see you guys in the next one. Hasta luego. Cheerio. Cheerio. Love you.